Float away to the British Isles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I already forgot. Float away to the British Isles. <laughs> I remember I kept telling you to go like up and shit. I wasn't going up. I was like, what am I? Like, I really like that song. I think we got something. I think we might be the new Beatles. <laughs> well, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. I am half your host. Josh, always blessed. Always blazed. And the other <laughs> half right. of of the the other show, half where we're one host. That's right. Yeah, uh, we're just we're, we're just of course we're one. We're host. just one host. Um, yeah. There's only the illusion that there's two people talking to each other. I can't even. It's yeah. just the one person. So what you're saying is we're just two boys, one voice. That's right. Two boys, one voice. I don't know how we Welcome. always come back to that. And he's Matt, and he's half the show, half my heart. Oh yeah. Right back at you, buddy. So yeah, thank you. How you feeling? You and your soccer. I'm feeling regalia. blazed. I'm feeling blazed and blessed. <laughs> Do you right. like that? I, I just came up with that. I like that. You, hey. I'm gonna start using that now. Hey. Yeah. So, no, I'm feeling good. I know. You look. You look. You just, look like you're feeling just good. Just ran around for two hours. <laughs> fucking knees hurt. But <laughs> yeah, you were hobbling down the hallway a little bit. But, yeah. Yeah. But you you looking like you're in shape. So. You gotta. You gotta. You gotta do stuff. You got a body. You know. You gotta use yeah. it. You know, it's crazy. You, you see a lot of the same patterns mm. um, in these these big uh, fires, you know. Yes. Uh, we did the Beverly Hills, and it, a lot of that came back to mind uh, doing yeah. this story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was almost the same story, except yeah. a, bigger, a bigger number. Mm-hmm. Today, we discuss how two lovers possibly got so hot, they wanted to burn the motherfucker down. We're talking about coconut grove sometimes in the midst of intentional death people need to be reminded that scores of people can be slaughtered by accident too and the forces of savagery disorder and supreme indifference that are the basis of the natural world that is to say the macabre reality in which we find ourselves got them will always be there to constantly remind people (laughs) they said the name of the show in november 1942 the world was at war but for the people of boston News of destruction and death on faraway battlefields was about to give way to news of destruction and death in their own backyard. On November 28th, a popular Boston nightclub frequented by celebrities, politicians, and gangsters would go up in flames and incinerate nearly 500 people. To this day, it is the deadliest nightclub fire in U.S. history and the second deadliest building fire. Today we discuss the inferno at the Coconut Grove. This is the Second World War. This is the Second World War. The second one. It's interesting. This is the and Junior. So the Eastland happened in the middle of the First World War. Okay. It had nothing to do with it. And hundreds of people were killed when that when the Eastland rolled over yes. in the Chicago River. Yep. So this is in the Second World War. Similar insofar as it's just completely unrelated disaster where scores of people right. uh, were killed. And uh, Except this one's fire instead of the other one was water. So it's kind of got that like... Like corollary. Oh, so, so in World War One, you had all these people getting killed by water. Listen, put this one World on a playlist. War Two, by fire. 
put this one on a playlist. Play the SS Eastland first, then play this one. And you know what? You'll learn history within those two episodes. That's right. So you'll learn a little bit about both wars. Well, you'll learn, what you'll learn is about some stuff that happened that had nothing, nothing to do, to with, do the with the wars. Actually, that's true. And you know what? Um, but you know, it's interesting to think because you always, when well, if you're if you like uh, you learn about history, you like that sort of stuff. Usually, if you go to those years, all you're talking about or, or reading about or thinking about is the war and what was going on in the war. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting to just kind of be reminded, like the world, you know, is still going on. There's still shit going on that has nothing to do with the war necessarily. And you know, a bunch of people, you know, at a nightclub that burns down Inferno, <laughs> you know, yeah, in Boston, Massachusetts, Bo- Boston, Boston. Uh, so uh, already this, if you want to look it up, don't spell coconut how you think you would spell it. It pisses me. Oh no, off. I like it. You like, I like it? it just because it's so. Um, it's cacao nut. So it's cocoa. Cacao nut. It, you bro. look at it. It's cocoa nut. Like they spell cocoa like c o c o a nut, all one word. Um, but I kind of like it because it's just like very um, well, archaic. We'll just have to I would say agree to disagree because I don't like it. It looks um, insane. So if you want to look up pictures, just that's what thro- you have to type it in. It throws you for a loop a little bit. Like, what, what, what the fuck? Because if not, you'll go to like Coconut Grove, Florida or some bullshit. I'm sure if you looked up Coconut Grove and spelled it the way you would expect to spell coconut, you'll still find it. I guess. If you put fire in the, in the title, you'll it'll find be, it. It'll be like, did you mean Coconut Grove? <laughs> Cacao Nut. Cacao Nut Grove. Well, anyways, we gotta yeah. get we gotta get fucking rolling along <laughs> yeah, let's here. Let's go. Let's roll. Uh, located in the Bay Village neighborhood of Boston, and now you've been to Boston. Did you go to the Bay Village neighborhood? All over it. Yep. Did you pack the car in the cow pot? I parked. First of all, when you go to Bay did, Village, you gotta pack the car in the cow pot. Did you, you go to Dunkin' tea. Donuts and take a dump and smoke a box of Parliaments? <laughs> yeah, you got <laughs> I sure did. And I saw Big Poppy. We went to we. This is a true story. We did not see Big Poppy, but we went to where he grew up, and we ate. Um, like right down the street from his house where he lived, and that's that is a true story. Uh, somebody we know worked over there uh, and painted murals on walls. Really? So, yeah. What, did she do like city year or something like that, or like it AmeriCorps? Yeah, some, something like that. Because she went over there and, and did it with an art program, though. Okay. Yeah. Cool. With kids, and so she's got murals in Boston. Yeah, man. And that's... we went to go see some, and some of them were in Poppy's neighborhood. Nice. So there you go. So yes, I've been to Boston. <laughs> this is where this is where I get thrown over. Like, do I just start all over? On that same, we're not even, we haven't even really begun. Yet. You said some of it. You said a good uh, number. So anyways, of located in the Bay Village neighborhood of Boston, the Coconut Grove was opened in 1927 as a speakeasy. Yeah, and we all awesome. know what that is, right? Yeah, well, you can explain it. That'd be fun too. Okay. Well, I mean, it's just, so in, uh, at the time of Prohibition, which mm-hmm. was the 20s for the most part. Right. Um, they had to have like these bars where they were like, they had to be. They couldn't advertise themselves. They had to be real quiet about it. Yeah, so you, you had to speak, speak easy. easy. And you went to the bar. You I mean, you, like, they couldn't just, you had to, like, know the right people or, like, yeah. hey, say the password. Now explain prohibition. Fidelio. <laughs> prohibition <laughs> was when Fidelio, alcohol, yeah. <laughs> prohibition was when alcohol was uh, illegal in the United States. Um, that happened for about 15 years. Now explain alcohol. Um, alcohol is, like, fermented, uh, like, grain or some shit. Explain fermentation. Um, that's when like bacteria and yeast and something or other. And so uh, what we're, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all, that's so all, that's all as far as I can we, get we, you. Yeah. We, I, we, I we went all you. the way to the bottom of my uh, knowledge on that. I stretched you. You, you, you stretched me. <laughs> 
Anyways, uh, from the start, the club's ownership had ties to the mob, and the Coconut Grove gained a reputation for being a gangland hideout. So that's pretty crazy. Yeah, and I just want to say, we have a mob. You you are the mob, if you're listening. And I just want you to know that you need to protect this pod at all costs. Just like they protected their alcohol sales at that club. They protected the club to make sure the alcohol sales went on. Even though it was illegal, they had to speak easy. So y'all need to speak loud mm-hmm. and take care of this pod. Continue. Thank you. Yeah. And also, since we're talking to the mob right now, hey, shoot us an email at macabpod1 at gmail.com. You know, hey, we, we want to hear it. just any yeah. email. Just talk about anything. We um, will. Whatever. We will. Uh, we'll totally respond. Yeah. I we'll, probably, we'll probably have a longer response than your email that you sent to us. Possibly, but I will match um, your energy. But we're edge. definitely just kind of, you know, just waiting, just waiting here by the, the old computer, waiting for an email. Yeah, I quit my job just um, to answer emails. So come on now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Let's Josh go. just had a baby, so it was Let's kind of an go. irresponsible thing to do. Responsible, but I, I but really he's that committed. He's that committed to it, and he will respond to your email. Yeah. And yeah, just shoot us an email. I promise. I promise. I'll respond. Let's go. So the building itself was a single-story structure with a basement. The basement contained a bar called the Melody Lounge, along with a kitchen and storage and boiler rooms, while the first floor contained a large dining area and ballroom with a bandstand, along with several bars separate from the ballroom. Yeah, and it had a rotating stage, man. Did it really? Yeah, because that's the person playing that night of the, the fire. Her name was... Goody Goodell. Yep, that's right. And you cannot find her music anywhere, but you can find a picture of her album, and one of her songs is called Out, Out, and I feel like that's possibly the one she was playing when this thing happened. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. I well, just have that feeling. Well, we'll get to what was being played, uh, where the fire started. I think Goody Goodell was probably upstairs on the on the main stage. Um, but that's not where the fire started. Wherever the right, wherever the rotating stage was, that's where yeah. That probably would have been up top. And while we're on the subject of the building, uh, it also had a retractable roof where Ooh. they could um, dine under the stars uh, or dance. If they cleared out the huh. floor. Interesting. Um, during seasonable weather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, interesting. Does not play in the story. No, but, not, not um, at all. I did, okay. But it did have that. Okay. Uh, the main entrance to the building on Piedmont Street was a revolving door inside a portico. As a result of the several bars, lounge areas, and other rooms, the club had a maze-like floor plan. Mm-hmm. Very reminiscent. And you know how that goes. Yeah. And the, to make it worse, it was a revolving door, which would be cool normally, but it, man, trying to get well, people out fast. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that revolving door <laughs> and uh, policies that changed as a result. Um, so after the previous owner had been gunned down in a mob hit, uh, which was not, did not occur at Coconut Grove. It actually occurred at the Roxbury. So okay. it, was, it was a bad night at the Roxbury for the previous owner. Uh, new owner, Bar- uh, Barney, new owner, Barney Wolanski sought to create a more mainstream appeal for the club, uh, while still privately boasting of his mob ties and connection to then mayor of Boston, Maurice J. Tobin. Okay. So for yeah, all you Bostonites who all, I'm sure y'all talk about Maurice J. Tobin y'all talk all about the time. Mayor Tobin like, all the t- nonstop. Hey, you remember Mayor Tobin? Maybe Mayor Tobin. <laughs> you, you he would park his car in the car park. <laughs> he would walk around. I saw him on Yawkey Way. We <laughs> <laughs> were really bad at. Uh, at I, no, mine's accents. good because I work with a guy from Boston. So I hear it all the time. So mine's fucking right, well, on par. Sure. 
whatever. Sure. Uh, the club went for a South Sea South Seas tropical theme with decor that included bamboo coverings on the walls, heavy draperies, and blue satin canopies and covering on the ceiling. Now, let me tell you something. If I go into a room and it's got fucking drapery, it's got cloth on the walls and on the ceiling, especially, I'm getting the fuck out of that room Get out immediately. Of <laughs> and that is that is my advice to you, Mob, as well. Yes. Um, We've already heard too many stories. Get the fuck out of that room. Don't put cloth on the walls and damn sure don't put it on the ceiling. If you see, if you walk into a room and you do not see sprinklers in the ceiling, get out of there. Get out of there. Yeah. Be looking for sprinklers. Be looking for the exit signs, fire alarms. Look at the capacity. Uh, you know, pay attention to that stuff. If you walk and through a maze, get the to fuck. Get- if there's cloth on the wall. Nobody, who the fuck puts cloth on the wall? If they made you go through a maze, yeah, to get to the room that you're about to eat in. Do not eat there. Mm-hmm. On that topic, so the ceiling also was a false ceiling. It was, it was lower than the act where the actual ceiling was, just to give make it a more, I guess, private and intimate or whatever. And this is in the Melody Lounge, uh, which was in the basement. So they right. kind of it was real, you know, cozy, t- it was cozy, intimate down there. And they had coconut shit everywhere, and yeah, they so made it well, theme, like yeah, themed. In the Melody Lounge, the lighting was provided by fixtures that looked like palm trees. With the light bulbs in sconces designed to look like coconuts beneath the palm fronds, which I'll be honest, this place sounds pretty cool. Like in the middle of Boston, yeah, man. Yeah, if, if you can just like walk in there and be like, I do feel like I'm kind of in a. And when I say south retreat or some shit or whatever you call it, a retreat. Well, yeah, yeah. And when I say South Seas, think like South Seas from the 1940s perspective, like in those like classic movies and shit, like you know that kind of yeah old school South Seas rugged like adventurous kind of shit so it was you know it was cool like it has a certain vibe to it uh but it's pretty cool like as far as the theme so you know if any of you any any mobsters out there are like on the prom committee or some shit you know hey that's a good prom theme i think like south seas palm trees and shit 40s and do sconces do fucking coconut sconces for the lighting that's awesome first of all exactly your theme is Speak easy, yeah. In the forties, but that doesn't make sense because uh, palm fronds, coconut sconces that are white sconces. Yes. Okay. And palm trees everywhere. Palm fronds. I already said that. Right. Bamboo. So bamboo. The, throw bamboo in there. Bamboo on the walls. Yeah. And make sure to have lush <laughs> blue satin. Uh, cloth hanging from the ceiling and make sure that the the chairs are stuffed with this padding that when it sets on fire it actually emits a a gas toxic gas that also throws fire so it's like a flamethrower in your that your fucking ass is on all right yep on the saturday evening of november 28th 1942 the coconut grove was about 25 percent beyond capacity with around a thousand patrons they could hold what force Four, a little over four, something, something like that. Not, maybe not even, but but, God, I think even I think the number of dead was itself, uh, and there was four hundred ninety-two people that were killed. So, uh, four, and I think even that was higher than their capacity. Four sixty is the capacity. Yeah, and a thousand people were there. Yeah. And there's a thousand patrons. It's a Saturday night. Uh, among the patrons was famous cowboy actor Buck Jones. Buck, yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to. Do you have any? Him. Do you have any Buck Jones knowledge? Any no, Jones I didn't look up Bug Jones. Okay. No. All right, word. Mm-hmm. It was a little after 10 p.m. 
The big band was moments from beginning their second performance on the first ballroom floor, while downstairs in the Melody Lounge, the piano player was playing Bell Bottom Trousers. And we actually have a clip of the song. Fuck yeah. There's no war. Now, see, I just don't really go for this old time music. I, I don't really, I don't know. I just don't get it. But um, that's that was a little clip of bell bottom trousers for you. That's what they, that fucking big band shit. That's what they went for. This being wartime, young couples found moments of intimacy whenever and wherever they could. One such couple, wanting privacy, unscrewed the light bulb in their coconut sconce. This, this is down in the Melody Lounge. Yep. A bartender told 16-year-old busboy Stanley Tomaszewski. Tomaszewski. I think that's how. I that's think it, it, dude. Uh, to get the light back on. Unable to locate the bulb in the dim lighting of the lounge, the busboy struck a match to provide some illumination. He would soon get all the illumination he'd ever hoped for. <laughs> After tightening the bulb, Stanley put out the match. A moment later, several patrons noticed a flicker of a flame in the palm tree uh, the palm trees reaching all the way up to the uh, aforementioned lowered false ceiling. As they watched, the patrons saw the decorations change color and appear to be burning without a noticeable flame. After several moments, the palm tree burst into flames and the bartenders tried to extinguish it with water and those old seltzer bottles. You remember like from like Three Stooges and stuff? Yeah. They sprays with some, some, some yep. force, like basically like um, super suckers before they had super suckers. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh the scene was initially quite amusing to the patrons. It became decidedly less amusing, however, when the fire spread across the, cl- the cloth-covered false ceiling and began raining sparks and flaming fabric on the doomed patrons. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They were laughing because they were watching... Initially, it looked like some Three Stooges shit. People dump glasses of water on, on trying to put out a fire and come out with those little um, seltzer things you were talking about. I can just imagine that be, that would be kind of funny. But also, if you see a fire on the wall... Oh no! You just, you just got to go. I think. Yeah. No. 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 I mean, no. 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 You just gotta uh, go. If you're in a, you, you want to. Well, you don't want to. You don't want to panic mm-hmm. or create a rush. Well, you don't want other people but to see you, you go. Get your ass on out of there. <laughs> you want to just go, kind of. You just want to kind of sneak out. Wanna, you remember? You ever seen the meme of uh, Homer Simpson kind of fading back in the bushes? Yes. You want to do that sort of thing? Yeah. And then when you get Fade to the your top ass to the, of the stairs, you go fire, and that's when you help people. But it, because otherwise, you know. You'll be crushed. And we'll find out well, what the people who didn't. Yeah. As other furnishings in the lounge ignited, a fireball of flame and toxic gas raced across the room towards the stairs, which were the only public exit from the lounge and were only four feet wide. Panic struck the crowd as the fireball traveled up the stairs and exploded in the foyer area with tremendous force. As cries of fire! 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 As, fire. as, as cries of Fire! Fire! I don't know how. How do you shout fire? You know like this. Fire! Fire! No. Uh, fire! Fi- fire! <laughs> fire! Is that John? Of- yeah, John of- Is it fire? Yeah, so it's- <laughs> fire! Fire! I, I don't know. I, I don't, uh, but anyways, that's good. That's really good. Um, the patrons began rushing for the main entrance uh, slash exit, which was the revolving door, which quickly became jammed. For the very few fortunate to make it out of those doors, they could only watch in horror as friends and relatives were crushed by the weight of the crowd surging against the jammed door. Within eight minutes, 
of the first sight of flames, the fire, which was fueled by practically every decoration in the building, <laughs> had engulfed the entire club. Pretty much everything in this building was was flammable. Yeah. Remember the stuff I was talking about that was in the seats? It was in the ceiling, too, because it was in the leatherette that yeah, was in the like ceiling. Yeah, everything. So it literally, when it started like opening up these leather decorations on the ceiling and the seats, the gases were shooting out of them like fireballs. So they had... I mean, this club just had no chance. Yeah, they didn't have... I mean, stuff like this is why we have fire safety yeah, re- measures fire and, and, and like and, and life safety and code. Yeah. yeah, they didn't really have it at the time. Although even even of the, by the standards of the day, they didn't even come close to meeting those. No, um, they had glasses of water. The electricity <laughs> was was, it. was done by unlicensed contractors, and it, it just cars were and they had all the the place. electricity going into coconut sconces that had coconut fur on the outside that's dry as fuck. And very oh, flammable. Geez, I like, didn't realize that. Yeah, like when you reach when you reach into the little coconut thing and you unscrew it, there's electricity. You know, it's a light bulb that's inside of a coconut. Yeah. So the chances of a fire happening are very, very um, are very good. And didn't, they had fires before, right? Yes. Like, okay. I was I was just going to mention All that right. the, there was reports after this that like they had seen fires. Like some patrons didn't panic initially or didn't do anything initially because. They had seen they had seen it this before. Before, yeah, they'd seen those uh, palm trees catch fire before. At that point, they thought it was a comedy show. They're like, "Hey, they come with the bottles. They're gonna come with the bottles. Watch them!" And they can't get it out. They can't yeah. get it out this time. They're so good at this. Yeah, and it's just crazy. It's so real. My skin's burning think, off. Like how quickly a fire can spread, uh, especially when it's got all yeah. of this, you know, accelerant. Um, like you've heard of like murder mystery shows where you go to dinner and you see a murder mystery. This is like where you go to dinner and then a fire just blast you dinner and, and then, uh yeah. furnace yeah dinner yeah. and furnace uh the smoke and flames had spread so rapidly in fact some patrons were overcome instantly their charred corpses would later be found still sitting at their tables which makes That's me think of like that shit from the shining you remember when yeah. that scene where all the skeletons are sitting and yeah. like, like they're in their like party poses and shit or and like so. yeah or like the like maybe the atom bomb or something when your people were just yeah just I guess they were turned to were ash. Like, well, their shadows were yeah, still shadows, there. Yeah, the shadows, yeah. The shadows are still eating dinner. <laughs> yeah. Goodness gracious. And also, sorry, and you were about to say something, but the corkwood thing comes back to my mind again. Like, people stacked up in the doorways, even though this is a revolving door. Cordwood. Oh, cordwood. Yeah, but yes. Um, yeah, you're, which you're is absolutely right. frightening. The it Basically, the same situation happened. I think most of the deaths were piled up around the door, which, I mean, it's understandable. Yeah. It was the only exit. That the public was aware of. And revolving doors is such a bad idea in this situation. Oh, it's a terrible. It's kind of funny to think about, though. I mean, it, it would get jammed immediately because people were trying to just get out and right. get out and get right. out. You're, what if you, you got stuck? Like, what if some you one know, person so got stuck in Basically, the, the whole concept wherein only a couple people can go at a time it's crazy. Uh, is completely uh, in contradiction to the situation where everybody's trying to get out as quickly as fucking possible. Yeah. I'm starting to learn from both of these stories that I think you just need to, if you're going to go eat dinner at a, at a nightclub somewhere with a thousand people, you need to stay slippery. You need to get. Stay near the exit. You need to stay near the exit I would, and stay I would, slippery. I would demand a, a table near the exit and yeah. I just keep, keep an eye on just that Just keep, keep lathering yourself up with oil or Vaseline. Maybe not Vaseline. That might burn you. Oh, it's just in case the fire touches you. Th- oil, but do you get, if you get cord wooded, you can just squirt out of the pile. 
You see what I'm saying? Like a greased pig. Like a greased pig. It just squirts uh, yeah. right out. You're just slapped right through the middle of the pile. Yeah. It or might and it actually shoot you to safety quicker. Shoot you to safety. That's what I'm thinking. Like like a cannon. And it might actually grease up the revolving door when you go through it first. Send him first. He's greased up. You go. It goes super fast and you can shoot people out the fucking door. One at a time, just shove them into the door. Mm-hmm. And shoot out into the streets. Oh, yeah. If, if you could get the door so. going fast enough and you got the rhythm down. Just throw people in. Yeah, but just I, shoot I, them out. I still just don't think that's going to be fast enough. That's not, it's no. not going to be fast enough. No, you, get, you, you got over a thousand people. And when you said eight minutes to take eight over minutes. the... And, and some reports said five minutes. Oh, still. Even Either way, really, yeah. really fast. Yeah. You would need about two hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> some people were making it out. Uh, Unless everybody was slippery. And then you could just slide around and slide out the door. Well, there were ways that this uh, disaster could have been mitigated, but unfortunately, uh, okay. other circumstances, which are also not unheard of, um, prevented that. Okay. The lights had gone out, and as one survivor put it, quote, it seemed that when the lights went out, everybody's intellect went with them, which I think is a bit of a harsh assessment given the circumstances. Uh, unable to see and increasingly unable to breathe as the thick billowing smoke filled the club, patrons stumbled over furniture and each other in a frantic attempt to find their way out of the searing heat and toxic smoke that burned their eyes and throats. In the chaos and confusion, many were trampled or crushed to death, especially at the revolving door of the main entrance, as we said. Man. So that's the other thing to think about is mm-hmm. with that the stuff you are talking about earlier, that uh, leather red. Leather red, yeah. Um, all this shit was toxic. Yeah. So when it burned, uh, not only was it combustible and, and all that, like you're talking about in sparks and, and fucking fireballs would come out. Um, it, you know, toxic gas would come out and like, yeah, that's... like, so everybody, most of the people that died of, you know, died of the smoke, not of the fire itself, Yeah. which is typically how it goes. And just pure panic. Yeah. Just being, again, being stuck and, in the middle in the dark, of dark, in the dark, in a maze like building. It's not like a bit. So most buildings generally today, there's like, a lot of windows to the outside and shit. And yeah. they're not, you, you don't see a lot of buildings that are like this in modern times where there's a lot of interior rooms and corridors and shit like that. And it's just a, the floor plan is totally confused and yeah. seems ad hoc. Um, because they're trying to be why, secretive. Cause you can't fucking, well, it, yeah, in, that in might the 20s, yeah, they were sure. Trying to be well, secretive, the in the 20s, so yeah, prohibition ended in 1933. So at the time of this story, it was long over, right? But when it was initially built, it, yeah, it was during then. So that might have uh, contributed to that. And then they and just it, Beverly Hills did. They just added on to it. Yeah. Well, they they didn't add on to it so much as um, well, yeah, they did add on to it a little bit. Yeah. And it was a big. It was basically the building already existed, but it was a garage and a warehouse. I think I, I might have mentioned that. And then they turned it into a club. So I think they just kind of took the interior and turned a building that was like, just kind of turned it into this club and had no thought towards um, fire safety at all. Or anything. Any or anything safety, like that. Yeah. They're just thinking of how, how cool could they make it, making all these little rooms and bars and lounges. Probably make, thinking of how, how much they can try to make as much money out yeah. of the square footage as possible. Yep. For um, sure. For sure. Uh, the revolving door was the only non-barred publicly available exit from the Coconut Grove. Other emergency exits had been locked shut to prevent customers from leaving without paying their bill. Six exits, to be exact. Yeah. Six doors were locked shut because they were scared. They, they were scared patrons would leave without paying their check. Crazy. Um, during, and during the initial scramble for the exit, one employee had even attempted to prevent anyone leaving without paying their check. 
Get and the fuck out of my face. Mobsters, if you are confronted with that situation, you fucking do whatever you got to do to get out of that building. And protect the pod. And, pr- and protect the pod. Yeah. But you you protect the top. You, I'm sorry. You protect the bod first. You protect, <laughs> you protect your bod <laughs> so that you can protect the pod. That's right. Get yourself out. Be aware. We're telling get you these stories for a reason. Mm-hmm. Be aware. Another exit was rendered useless by the fact that the door opened inward and was thus jammed by the crowd crush. Other exits uh, were in the employee areas and unknown to the public. That's... They just... It's... That's well, so the thing stupid. is, yeah, I mean, they, this they should have known. This is the sort of thing they should have known. Like they known about it at this time. I mean, some things they didn't have fire. I don't think they had fire sprinklers back then. And there, I mean, some things yeah. come along with time. Sure, sure. But sure. this was not this. They had already they had like panic bars and that sort of thing had already been invented, you know, for this type of situation. So yeah. they should have known fucking well better. Yeah. And have doors opening inward, inward and revolving doors and six. And locking six exits. And then finally, a plate glass window, which could have provided an escape for hundreds more people, uh, had been boarded up. And I'm not sure. It might have been just to kind of make the decor more. I think they wanted it to be real kind of like separated from the outside. Like, So I don't think there's a lot of windows in this place or like openings to the outside. Yeah. The evening, however, was not without some fortuitous circumstances. Uh, firefighters happened to be responding to a minor incident nearby when they noticed smoke emanating from the club. They would be the first of the 187 firefighters eventually called upon to respond to the disaster. However, there was little they could initially do. Even the portico was too hot for them to enter to reach the jammed revolving door. When they eventually did try to pull bodies from the door, arms and legs came off in their hands. Arms and legs coming off. That's cr- yeah, man. wild. <laughs> I also uh, heard that the heat coming from the bodies was actually burning firefighters' hands. Yes. Yeah. Man. Firefighters had to get treatment for their hands from um, handling the bodies, which were burning. Ugh. And then they had a lot of these bodies out in the street or outside once they were able to get them out of the building. Mm-hmm. And it was freezing outside. Yep. And so I think like steam and, and stuff was coming off of them or something well, like that. Hypothermia was a real thing, just like in Beverly Hills again. But this, right. is, this is... Well, for those who survive, but then there's a bunch of just charred bodies out yeah. like on the frozen cobblestone mm-hmm. like street. So it's a very... This is frozen Boston. Weird. Yeah, because yeah, this is in November. Right. It's at night. It was, like, fact, it, was, it, was, it was 28 degrees that night. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it was so cold that the firefighters' hoses were sticking to the fucking ground. That's right. So, that's cold. And, and yeah, and you got people coming out with no skin on their bodies, and then they're just, yeah. You got to have skin in cold weather, I'm just saying. You do. That's a it's, it's a huge part of keeping you warm. That's a bare necessity. <laughs> So now we get to the seeds of destruction. Yeah, let's go. Cue it up, baby. Here we go. I am the seed of destruction. All right. So for one thing, the club had its maze-like floor plan, as we talked about. Right. Um, so no, when you build the building, you want it from the very beginning to have like fire safety plan like yeah. conception yes. from the very start no it comes to the whole maze. building and you don't kind of do it ad hoc yeah without any thought or like how many people should be in each room like what capacity basically you right and as well as like how many exits you have 
yes. per square footage and, and each where they're in having them in each room and having everything well lit, like the exit signs, mm-hmm. having fucking doors open outwards, not locking said doors. Yeah. Um, no inside mazes are allowed. No inside mazes. Mm-hmm. Next, it was the building itself was done by unlicensed contractors. A firefighter had inspected the club eight days before and found everything satisfactory. That sounds suspicious. Highly suspicious. Yep. You got a you got an owner who has connections to the mob. Yep. Uh, and the mayor, and it's a popular place. The decorations were highly flammable. Mm-hmm. Um, you have fucking. Fabric on the ceiling. Yep. You don't do that shit. Seeds of destruction. That they say they lowered that false ceiling created a um created so it created this this gap area between the real ceiling and the false ceiling where not a lot of oxygen could get through and it created a lot of um, carbon monoxide monoxide mm-hmm. and which helped which when the the roof or the false ceiling like burned up it created this incredible like accelerant for the fire. Yep. Uh, just made it that much. That's what created it. Like the thing was a fireball that exploded it it, out of the fucking, you remember that scene in, um, um, in glorious bastards when the cinema blows up oh, yep. mm-hmm. and just people are flying out the damn door, like yeah. something like that. Like it was just exploded out of the, the basement, up the court, up the stairs, yep. out on the foyer, uh, and then just spread throughout the rest of the club. Uh, Eight minutes. Eight minutes. That's like what you want to do on a, on a bull, right? No, that's eight seconds. Yeah. You can't do eight minutes on a bull. That'd be wild. Clearly, the place was not meeting any kind of like uh, fire code standards. Right. Even at the time, mm-hmm. whatever they were, because uh, they had these political connections. The electrician who wired uh, the club had no license and testified that the owner, Barney Wolanski, had told him not to worry. That Wolanski was, quote, in with the mayor. Mm-hmm. He was in bed with him, as they say. As they say. As they say. Hey, can I, um, can I tell you how popular this club was real quick? Yeah. Because, um, as a matter of fact, that's the facts about that. And today, the that of which I have facts is celebrities who have gone to Cocoa Nut Grove, and in no particular order, Frank Sinatra, who also went did he work there? To Beverly Hills. Oh, no, yeah. No. He did work at Beverly Hills, though, as a blackjack dealer. Yeah. Remember that? Yes. So he probably didn't do that long before he became famous, and then he was just going there. So we got Frank Sinatra, Judy Garland, who is... Uh, Dorothy, Dorothy from Thank Wizard you. of Oz. Waiting for you. Thank you. That's right. Sammy Davis, Rat Pack, baby. Nat King Cole, Barbara Streisand, who's still alive. Bing Crosby, John Wayne, Lucille Ball, I Love Lucy, Marilyn Monroe, and the Supremes. All were known to Oh, there. shit. The Supremes? The Supremes. All of them. All the Supremes. Really? Yep. To a club that... Every single one of the Supremes. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. They all fit in there. That's probably why there was a thousand. They might have been there that night. That's why Because there's quite a few Supremes, if I remember correctly. I don't know. I don't know if they were there that night. Okay. But well, what, but so another fortuitous circumstance of the evening. So we mentioned the firefighters just happened to be nearby. Okay. That day uh, in November 28th, we mentioned it was a Saturday, big college football game going on between Boston College and Holy Cross. Boston College was undefeated at the time, number one in the country, and scouts from the, uh, I want to say the Sugar Bowl were there. 
to see Boston College, and they got beat by Holy Cross 55-12. to 12. Wow. And why this is fortuitous, you may ask? Why is this fortuitous? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, because, first of all, the mayor was a big Boston College fan, and then um, they had planned for there to be a big celebration at the Coconut Grove that evening mm-hmm. after Boston College won the game against Holy Cross. But they lost. So they, they lost. So they no, everyone's bummed out. They don't want to go party. They're like, right. oh, we fucking lost. In fact, they, they didn't just lose. They got their asses kicked. 55 to 12 to Holy Cross. That's pretty bad. Yeah. You know, know another fortuitous fact? What's that? That all the hospitals just happen to be stocked up. Yep. That's that's the next because one. Because of World War II. That's right. And they were, just in case there was an attack on the East Coast, they were already prepared for uh, victims to come in. So they had it In fact, ready. yeah, so they had just, I think a week prior, run a mock, um, like run a drill, uh, like a mock Luftwaffe attack, a German Air Force attack on Boston. And like, so they were prepared for like responding to mass casualties. They were stocked up on like penicillin and gauze and just all the, all the stuff that they would need to respond to exactly this kind of event. Uh, because of the war. So this is where kind of the war does intersect with this story yep. uh, in a more direct way than like with Eastland where the war had, no, war had nothing to do with it. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was fortunate. And also you also had a lot of servicemen in the city who ran to the scene to go help out. So you had a lot of people that were there to, to immediately on the scene to try to help out. It's just unfortunate that because of the nature of the fire and explosion, a lot of people were dead pretty much instantly or, or pretty soon thereafter. And it was so hot, they couldn't even get to them. Again, while while they ate, they were incinerated, burnt to a crisp. Some people didn't even get up out of their chair. Right. And, they, and their dinner was just still there in front of them. Can we talk about some of the safety measures they could have taken to uh, to not maybe prevent this? Do we, do, we, do we want to talk about the safety dance? Yeah, we want to talk about the safety dance. Thank you. So for one thing, uh, there was a lot of advances in burn treatment and identification of burn severity and the amount of the degrees, the degrees and the like mm-hmm. how much coverage of the body. And so burn care treatment improved a lot as a result of this tragedy happening. And it happened right there where you had Mass General Hospital, which is like this, mm-hmm. I think, prestigious hospital. And you also yeah. had the Boston City Hospital. Uh, that I think received most, if not all, of the the victims, and they made some big advancements. And um, yeah, because of this case, two doctors actually came up with the measuring—I guess what you would call it—the measuring system of degrees of burn. Right, exactly. So they had to. They had. They see. They saw so many victims in different stages. They couldn't. They, they came up with charts. They had to, and so they ended up just. So that's where this came from. So you have that as a result of this tragedy, a, a vast improvement. They also like, uh, I read that. So when it came to treating uh, burn wounds, like burn skin, like they came up with the like using the I don't know, kind of oils or gel or like or, or like jelly or whatever kind of shit on yeah. like pa- on like gauze pads and that sort of treatment, as opposed to what it used to be is, I think they would make like a cast over that the skin. Basically, the idea is you got to protect the skin from infection because when it burns mm-hmm. it's highly vulnerable 
and so in the, before they came up with this method, the old method was to cover the skin in like a cast, I think. But before they could do that, they had to scrub it clean. They could have made, they had to make sure it's clean, which was an excruciatingly painful process. So this is, yeah, like this I is good. I just passed out for a second. Yeah, it would be terrible. Um, I don't want to be like, you know, I just fuck, I'll just, I'll look like Freddy Krueger. I don't, I don't care. Lord. Do not fucking scrub my burned skin. Yeah. But yeah, so I know another safety measure that came from it. What's that? You might you might know this one too. That exit signs had to be more illuminated. They had to um, be on a different right electric. What am I saying here? I think so. The basically they ca- they can't go out when the main power in the building goes out. Right. They have to be uh, separately uh, either wired or, or just like they just have batteries in them, so they're not going to go out. And they had to be bright, um, and they had to be be able to be seen through the thickest smoke is right. what literally what the quote was. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and placed everywhere. Then. So that was, that was another thing. You're absolutely right about that. And then, so most of the casualties as we mentioned, uh, happened at the revolving door. Mm-hmm. So as a result of this event, revolving doors today have to have door, regular doors next to them that have push bars that, that open outward that have emer- like panic bars or whatever. Uh, you know what I'm talking about when yeah. I say that. Yeah. Um, and so they open outward so that people can get the fuck out of there in emergency. And they don't have to wait on the or the revolving door. The panels inside the revolving door need to be retractable or what something like that. Although, and that's yeah. what I read. I don't like that because I'd be like, are people going to sit there and try to figure out how to fucking fold the doors back? And all that? No. You just need to have other doors. Yeah. And every every revolving door I've ever seen has doors on on right. at least one when you sides. think about it it's like yeah at, every time i've seen one yeah, yeah they get doors because i don't side. go through it i just go yeah, through i don't want to wait on that shit yeah that's uh, exactly. i can go I mean, through fast right. i go through faster you know on my through own. a regular door yes. yeah yep mm-hmm. and plus sometimes you get in there and another person like a stranger like is in there too and it's almost like it's like worse than being on an elevator because you're more you cramped are, you have to walk it's just the same for a moment speed. but it's, yeah you got to be like you gotta work together and you don't want to hit, hit the back of your heel on the fucking you door don't hit and, their heel either and, and you know like, yeah oh, it's like yeah i don't like it i don't like it we're revolving we're revolving oh, and you miss your you miss the the you like your chance to get into the place because you're so worried about hitting this guy's heel and you do it and then you got to you end up back outside and you got to get in the revolving door again you do it with the next person it's just embarrassing. That's right. Any more safety? No, measures? I think that's it. That's so that was our safety dance. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about some people that were survivors. You got one? We'll, we'll trade stories. Okay. Goody Goodell, 25-year-old singer, as I mentioned before, on the rotating stage. She survived by wetting a cloth napkin and placing it over her face. Very smart move, Goody. Pretty much all of the victims had lung or like throat burns or something from the toxic smoke, except three people. And, and Goody Goodell might have been one of them. Yeah. Another one had just covered their mouth with something. And another one had pissed on a napkin and covered his mouth with his urine-soaked uh, napkin, and that's how he avoided any lung injuries. Yeah, good it. on you. Yep. And to be able to piss in circumstances like that, wow. Well, no, no, no. Everyone was pissing their pants, dude. He, it mean, was easy. You just held a napkin yeah. out. It was wet, bro. <laughs> you, just, you just held you it. Held it out. You it just soak, You just pick it up off the floor. It was it already was soaking. Piss soaked. 
So yeah, no, that was that was an easy one. But no, seriously though, you do what you got to do to survive, mob. Do what you got to do. That's to survive. right, mob. If you are in a circumstance where you got to piss on a napkin or shit on and one. hold that to your mouth to, to survive, you do what you got to do. If you got to shit on one, do it. Do it. Get you, out of there. You do what you got to do. So I see your story, and okay. I'll raise you. Coast Guardsman Clifford Johnson. I love this one. Went back inside the building no fewer than four times in search of his date, who, unbeknownst to him, had safely escaped. Yes. Johnson suffered extensive third degree burns over 55% of his body, but survived the disaster, becoming the most severely burned person ever to survive his injuries at the time. After 21 months in a hospital and several hundred operations, he married his nurse and returned to his home state of Missouri. 14 years later, he burned to death in a fiery automobile crash. That is wild. When it when you are supposed to go a certain way, you're going to go. You're going to go that it way. Just, it, it feels like it was just meant to be. You're supposed to die in a, in a fire, bud, and you know you did it. All right, well, I see, your, I see that story, and I give you this one. I raise you this one. That's what I'm supposed to say. You can tell that I play poker a lot. Yeah, neither one of us plays um, bassist Jack Lesberg, who went on to play music with Louis Armstrong, was there that night, probably a part of the band in one of the rooms because he, he had his instrument with him, a bass guitar, to be exact, and he punched a fucking hole in the wall of the basement to get out, and he saved like two or three people that way. Right. So that's pretty cool. That is pretty and cool. you got to do what you got to do. And, he went, and you know what? Because hey, he did hey, that. Mob, mob, if you gotta, if you got to punch a hole in the wall, yeah. To to survive, do it with your even if it's with your expensive guitar or cello or bass or whatever. Mm-hmm. You Tuba. do what you got to do. Yeah, if you got a Kool Aid, you do what man, you got to do to survive. If you don't have an instrument, and you got a Kool Aid man yourself through that wall. Yeah, if you got to piss and on oh napkin, yeah, all the way through. If you got to piss you, on a napkin and throw it through the wall, that's right. Do it. Do it. Um, do you have another one? Oh yeah. I've got a few. Uh, so one anecdote, I saw a heavy lady, Miss Catherine Sweat, the cashier. I said, take the money, let's go. But she said, I can't leave the money. Later, I saw a big person burn to death, and it was her. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't mean, I mean, that's funny. Well, Mob, here's another thing. I'm sorry. That wasn't even her money. She's going to die for somebody else's money. For somebody Man, else's get the money. fuck out of there. No. But even if it was your money, you, you know, no, she should that shit's insured or or whatever. Just, you got to get the fuck out of there. Money don't it doesn't mean shit if you're dead. That's true. You do what you got to do. You uh, do what you got to do to survive. So I see that story of the big girl, and I give you this story told from his mouth himself. Uh, well, at the time of the fire, like I say, uh, the place was jammed. I normally would have gone out on a, on a night where it wasn't so crowded. I would have gone out to the Melody Lounge. But that was my favorite place. It was nice, quiet, piano player, a woman singing, telling jokes, constant entertainment down below, and a lot of action down there. That night, I was in the dressing room. I heard a rumbling, a kind of a sensation of, of vibration. I said, what the hell is this? So of course I got up, went down, opened the door, got up the head of the stairs and looked down and I could see this crowd of people jamming. I thought it was a free-for-all because the Boston College was there 
uh, I think it was, uh, it was a football game, Boston College and, and, and Holy Cross, I think. And there was a rivalry, and I guess one of the teams, the, the winners were there. So, of course, I figured there might have been a fight going on. So I'm watching the crowd down there, and I started to go down to, to get see what the action was. With this big cloud of smoke with sparks in them, bellowing coming up the stairs at me. And I'd say, whoa, this is no place for me. So I, whoa, I went back into the restaurant, closed the door. So I get out and I get in the dressing room. I said, I'm going to get my stuff together. I had a camel hair coat. I've been through this before. Beautiful camel hair coat. That was in style. Brand new. I'm going to save this. I've got the camel hair coat, my tuxedo. Put that. But I get my tap shoes, so they were very expensive. And I gathered all this stuff up, and I'm saying, well, I'm going to, I don't know if I should go down there. And I thought of the rope, but I, I thought maybe I'd go back down, because it seemed like the people were going out. They were getting out down below. When all of a sudden, this guy come charging through the door, like a madman, and he's running through the dressing room. And I've got all my stuff in my hands, right? And he goes through this plate glass window like this. I thought, holy, what? Is good. And I, I dropped everything, my, my, my brand new camel hair coat, tuxedo, and I followed him out the door. I went through the window. So he's still going out the window, and I'm right behind him. All the chorus girls come out of their dressing room, through my dressing room, all behind me. And whoever else was behind, was behind me trying to get out. I have, uh, believe me, when I was out there, I wasn't counting them. All I know is there was a bunch of people behind me, some crying, some, you know, so what is, so I'm heading over. What I was afraid of on the top of the roof was that there might be sections between one building and another building, and I'd fall in between them, and then I'm saying, well, I've got to get to the edge to find out how I'm going to get down out of here. Meanwhile, somebody found a ladder behind us. Somebody said, I've got a ladder. Well, anyhow, they brought the ladder forward. So the four chorus guys, that's, that's including myself, we got the ladder. We lowered it over the side to see how far down and it fell far short from what it was going to be to the, to the ground. So what it is, you've got a ladder that's halfway down maybe. Maybe, I'm just saying. So what do you do with a ladder like that? But it was the only way down. So we, the three of us, three of us held onto the ladder. Andy, myself, Dave Perlman was holding on and Bob, the other fellow, was helping. The, we had to get the girls, chorus girls off the top. While these people were going down the ladder, which seemed to take forever, it dawned on me, who's going to hold the ladder for us that was holding the ladder? But that was solved quickly because all of a sudden somebody must have went to, got a hold of the fire department and tell it that there were people on the roof trying to get down. And they came with ladders. We'll talk about the Marines were landing. They brought those ladders up. Down we went. Everybody made it off the top of the roof. So yeah, that was a unknown guy. Okay, talking about getting getting down from the ladder from the roof. I'll raise you. There was a party of undertakers, uh, a family of ten. Which already I'm like, are it's like a family of ten undertakers. We're talking but, about the wrestler. Uh, <laughs> maybe, well, although they would have been his like uh, grandparents, but yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I guess maybe it's a family business. But so it was a family of ten, and they were a party of a party of undertakers. Uh, and so the guy, the, he was a waiter. I waited on them myself. One couple from the group didn't want to see the second show and went across to the Metropolitan Theater. And when they got back, their whole family was wiped out. 
Damn, but you know they knew exactly what to do. They were like, "All right, we got to do our job." Yeah, well, no, they were dead. But right. the, the the one survivor was like, "Okay, well, the survivors." I, I know how this process works. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's exactly what I was. Oh, well, you said they. I thought you were talking about in the plural. I two of them walked across the. No one, just one. Oh, one came back to one was nine like dead. So members? like, yeah. I thought you said two came back no. to eight. Okay. Um, that's what wait I mean. no. You know you're right. <laughs> you fucker. You're right. It was one couple, so it was two of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah. That's <laughs> you asshole. I knew it. All right. Yeah, I was right, um, bitch. This is the first time I'm reading this. Then. Uh, one Another thing. 13 days before this event, uh, in the collapse of a building in Maverick Square, which Boston, I don't I don't know if you if that's still there yeah, or not. I know, I know Maverick Square. Um, six firemen had been killed and 43 injured in building collapse. That was six days. That was uh, or thirteen days earlier. Oh wow! And then so and then one hundred eighty-seven showed up to this thing. Yeah, I'm just going to conspiracy. Right? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Um, huh. You got another one? Huh? No, I'm all out all of. Right, well, uh, well, I got sorts. another one. Let's go. A city councilor charged that bodies had been rifled of cash, wallets, watches, and rings worth. $3,800, which might have been worth more. I'm sure it was worth more at the time. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if that's today's money or then money. Uh, a man known to be prosperous who had not paid his check had only $3.65 in his in his pocket. Uh, an undertaker noted that one corpse, there was only one injury to the ring finger, which was bare. So oh, you, have some ghoulish, you have some ghouls yeah. in there. Well, I mean, they don't, they don't need it. That's disrespectful. It's but uh, they don't. They don't, don't it's not, not there. It. It's still theft. It's no, still it's, stealing. No, no, it's not because that belongs to the family. That belong. That you don't take shit. Off. I, don't, do I don't condone it. I would never do it. I'm not trying to be haunted. That's how you. That's exactly how you. That's get how you get haunted. So and I wouldn't do that. But I'm saying they're not. They don't know it's taken from them. So. Well, it's not. A, it's not. It's. I know. I know. As long as we're clear on that. <laughs> So more than 50 military men lost their lives. Uh, the Fitzgerald family of Wilmington lost four sons, all servicemen home for the holiday, all laid to rest December 1st in Wildwood Cemetery. How fucked up is that? Fucked up. Four sons that are fighting, serving in World War II, and they all die in a fire on while a on leave yeah. during holiday. One more just random anecdote. Yeah, actor, actor Arthur Blake, famous for his female impersonations, was one of the headlining acts at the Coconut Grove that night. Wow. So back in the day, they thought, <laughs> back in the day, they thought that when men dressed up like women, that was the funniest fucking shit yeah. ever. Like they lost their mind. They thought it was so funny. We got to get this guy at the club. We got, we, we have <laughs> dude, to have him. Dude. It, oh. He dresses up like a woman. <laughs> Wait a second. Frank Sinatra, Judy Garland, Sammy Davis, Nat King Cole, Barbara Streisand, Bing Crosby, John Wayne, Lucille Ball, Monroe, and all of the Supremes are going to be there. Get the guy who dresses up like women. It'll, he'll kill him. It'll, it'll kill him dead. Uh, or a fire will. Got him. So are you angry about what happened? Do you feel like somebody should fucking... Well, I think like... Fucking pay? You, you brought up this question uh, via, via text massage earlier. But are all club owners pieces of shit? Correct. That was my that question I posed to you. Oh, that's also the answer, though. They're, that is correct. Yes. They are pieces of shit. Well, I asked you because you've dealt with, um, you've probably dealt with more club owners. 
Yeah, or, and 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 here's you, or the thing. you have dealt with club owners. Well, I've, I've dealt with or, music venue people. They're different. Okay, they're not trying to put on dinners and shows and shit. They're just trying to bring people in there and to drink. Gotcha. Um, some of them are pieces of shit though. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, uh, some of them aren't. And you know, we we all absolutely know that not all club owners are pieces of shit. Just any club owner we've ever talked about on this podcast just happens to be a human garbage. So, the club owner in this case, uh, yeah. Barney Walensky, he was of eleven men indicted. He was the only one convicted, and he was sentenced to twelve to fifteen years. Uh, although he served less than four. And in December 1946, ravaged with cancer, he was re- released from Norfolk Prison, uh, telling reporters, quote, I wish I died with the others in the fire. And he died, I believe, nine weeks later. Yeah. Cancer guy. And he was actually pardoned by uh, Mayor Tobin, who at, by that point was the governor of Massachusetts. Wow. Who just quietly pardoned him just because you know, he's going to die. So just fucking let him out and die. Yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. It's, and so he was the only one, but you know, he so, was also largely responsible. He was the one who didn't keep the place safe. It was on him. 492 people died. He served four, four years or less than, so I think that's less than like three days per person, per victim, something, something along the lines, along that lines, mm-hmm. which is not enough time, but well, I, you he know, he still got eaten cancer. up by cancer. And when he said ravaged well, by cancer, you know, I guess that is a death that's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, well, it's unfortunate. But I think the guy, you know, it's it's on him what happened, you know. Yeah, he probably, he was owned by I, his I, I think, yeah, I think, like, it'd it's be one thing if, if he, like, showed no remorse for it. But I think this destroyed him. I think this is, like, kind of why he got cancer. I feel like yeah. sometimes shit like that happens to people. Remember, like, the... Um, That's what I'm saying. He got Travis the Chimp. Karma. Yeah, Travis the Chimp lady who died soon there because I think she was so like, literally heartbroken mm-hmm. over the trauma, every, everything that had happened. Yeah. Uh, and the death of Travis and all that stuff. I think that kind of shit can and does happen to people where something Absolutely. just kind of wipes you out and oh, you're yeah. just done. Yeah, sometimes people do have consciences they do shitty things and they actually are sorry about it and it really yeah. fucks because i mean up. the the Which level of nice. guilt and shame yeah that would <laughs> well that would be because it's not just that like he's just living and has to live with it by himself like i'm sure people were giving him yeah uh shit about it constantly but this is boston i mean people yeah. are going to give you shit for nothing as, as an aside remember stanley tomaszewski yes the bus boy the bus boy so to go to the sources of the fire, uh, basically, he was ultimately exonerated for starting the fire. They said it, it was not the match. They think that the fire started um, possibly from faulty electrical wiring. Okay. But, but basically, it's not. It's just not known. Yeah. But they they did exonerate him, the fire investigators. I, I read an account where it said he lit the match to see where the light was. Right. He saw couldn't it, see. put it out, screwed the light back in, it came back on, and he mm-hmm. actually stepped on the match on the ground. And everything was good. And was then maybe a few minutes later, some moments later, moments yeah. later, somebody saw people. Saw, yeah, exactly. So. so it might, it might've been, but he was exonerated uh, in the investigation. However, yeah. he got shit for the rest of his life about it. Like people still yeah, basically felt like it was his fault. And I, I saw none. 
See, the the thing that makes me think it wasn't him is there's been accounts of fires already. Well, yeah. So, so, so how'd those start? It wasn't somebody striking a match. It, well, exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of ways because like we were talking about, it was just a highly flammable area. So really, and that kind of gets to the, the, the I kind of lost my train of thought, but that was what I was going to say is it wasn't so much like, I don't, first of all, it's not sure that the match started, but certainly the accelerants and all the stuff that was in the yeah the leatherette the room, stuff, all, it was just yeah. basically the place was set up to burn really quickly and created you know most people were killed from the the smoke and the toxic fumes yeah. and stuff like that and the six lock exits of nine there right. was only nine exits right. six so, of them so were the locked. disaster was definitely on the fault of the owner yeah and you know he like I said already he's got he's gotten owned by his karma and cancer ate his ass up. And that's a death worse than maybe. It's a slower death than being fireballed to death, you know, where you sit. So, being, well, yeah, I mean, if so you, that's if a you, punishment. That's, that's what I'm saying. He, he oh, got, yeah. He if, had his punishment. I, if I you're going to die and it's either going to be by cancer or by a fireball, yeah. it's going to be by a fireball. Yeah. But what if you, so basically, like, you get six months to live with cancer, you die with cancer, or you get fireballed right now you still get six more months would you would you take that and die slowly of cancer or would you just get or would you just if I, I mean, i'm gonna die i might as well just do it quick and be done with it and get fireballed well it would have to your six months would have to be spent in jail though because you i mean in this case he was in jail when this was happening right because i mean obviously anybody would pick the six months like to do whatever the fuck you wanted to do for six months. Even I mean, though you, of course, but, you'd but, but, so you'd but, well, but, but, but <laughs> you're condition. dying of cancer. Like you're not, you're ravaged. It's not a good, it. you're right. You yeah, can't yes, move. Yes, you can't move. Get yes. out of the house. You're ravaged oh, by cancer. I would take the fireball. Right. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you're in the, if you're basically hospice mode and you're just got six months of right. awareness left. Is that Cause when saying? I, when you, when you then, hear ravaged by cancer, mm-hmm. uh, I'm thinking it's bad. Yeah, it is bad. I've seen it, but, but anyways, uh, yeah, I would be fireballed, right? For sure. Yep. So, yeah, it's bad. Have but. a good day, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you're listening on your way to work. Uh, you know, just be aware out there. You just hey, it's it's um, you always got to be aware. You you got to be aware of how like fragile it all is, and just appreciate it. That's that, that's what makes you appreciate it. Yeah. Is knowing how how fragile it all is. Yeah. Be careful. Be aware. Be safe. Those people went from merrymaking and, and joyous and, and music and happy and drinking their fucking their water, their screwballs or their their low oh, balls they, or their what, you, what do you call them? High you know, balls. They high, balls. high balls. But they, it's a uh, you know <laughs> they're, they're, yeah not their low scotch balls. and whatever they drink yeah back in the forties you know when that I mean, that little the, glass like with fucking uh, like what um um the guys from Mad Men would drink exactly yeah. exactly. And, try and then, f- within eight minutes, they're fucking in a furnace. In eight minutes, that's eight if- minutes later. They from that to eight eight minutes later, basically they're in a furnace. Yeah. And if they don't get the if and if they don't get to the ground, they're gonna die immediately because they're gonna the smoke will kill them. Yep. And if they get to the ground, they'll probably still die. Just you know, it'll take longer. Yeah. They'll be crawling around in the dark. Yeah, just you know, just don't go anywhere. Just get, just order in. No, well, be careful. I mean, 
No, it, well, you know, I feel like people are already not going anywhere. Nah, that's true. Um, but dude, definitely. But you should, uh, no, it's not. It's not about like fucking like like being afraid of everything. It's just being no, aware. It's just being aware. aware. Keep your head on a swivel, right? Yes. Email us is another thing. Just email us. Follow us on social medias, Macapod One, all socials. Tell somebody about the pod. Uh, listen on iTunes or wherever you get your pod. I said iTunes, but I meant Apple Podcast. You know that I meant that. Spotify. Keep listening. Cool, yeah. Keep sharing. Stitcher's and great. Be aware. Be careful. Stay safe. Try not to find yourself in your own macabre reality. Bye bye. Song sung by Frankie Boy or Mr. C. Put them in the box, die with a ribbon, 